This edition has the first of my showcase conversations with Lance Reddick, who is Philip Royals in both realities of Fringe. This one is from 2011. A little bit about this amazing actor. He was born in Baltimore, Maryland, younger of two sons to Solomon Reddick and public school teacher Dorothy G. He was first attracted to music, attending the Peabody Preparatory Institute and the Walden School. He even studied classical composing at the University of Rochester's Eastman School of Music, earning a bachelor's degree. In the 1990s, after a severe back injury, he had to kind of look at his life and decided to enroll at the Yale School of Drama, where he graduated in 1994 with a Master of Fine Arts degree. He was inspired by classmate Paul Giamatti and looked at Daniel Day-Lewis as his acting role model. Lance Reddick had a gift of doing accents. I remember seeing him do a spot-on Jamaican accent on Law & Order several years ago. He dove into roles, transforming himself into the characters he played. He debuted on TV in New York Undercover, and after playing drug dealers, his imposing presence led to play authority figures like police detectives, Johnny Basil and Oz, to FBI agents Law and & Order, and defense attorneys, Cedric Daniels in The Wire. He was also the mysterious Mr. Sharon, concierge at the Continental Hotel, seen in the John Wick franchise. But his most memorable character was Philip Broyles, special agent in charge with the Department of Homeland Security, heading a team of experts investigating the paranormal in the outstanding science fiction drama series, Fringe. He was a no-nonsense guy, Broyles was, who nevertheless was very loyal to his team against insidious forces in and without. Unlike Broyles, Reddick's other important recurring TV character is Chief Irving in Bosch. He was morally ambiguous, and he was definitely motivated by political ambition. Prior to passing away untimely in March of 2023, at the age of 60, Reddick was much sought after for doing voice work in animation and video games. He never lost his lifelong passion for music, and in 2007 released an album of compositions entitled Contemplations and Remembrances. In private life, he was married twice, and as we saw many times on Instagram, was very devoted to his three dogs. In this episode, he looks back on season three of Fringe, playing Agent Broyles in both universes. He looks ahead to season four and comments on the Peter Bishop storyline at the time. He also tells me about his roles in the series It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and the new zombie movie Remains. Lance Reddick in a moment. So how was Comic-Con for you this year? I don't know. I mean, it was kind of hectic. Not, not a lot different from last year. It was a little more hectic for me personally only because I was flying in from the East Coast, coming straight from working on a, a film the night before, and then we all had to go straight to LA the next for for a photo shoot the next day, the next wow. morning. Yeah. So, um, it, you know, I wasn't able to enjoy it the way that I could last year. Sure, I totally understand. Yeah, mine was actually more hectic too for some reason. I don't know why, but it just it's every year is different. So I guess that's the way it goes. Another great season for Fringe. Really enjoyed it this year. I think this. I think this last season was the best. For me personally, I think this each season is better than the last. So yeah. Far. No, it was really good. I just think the alternate broils. I, I think I understood 
our regular broils a little more because of the alternate one, if that makes any sense to you. Yes, it does. Yes, it completely does. And I, I just like the choices he made, you know, and, and the nobility that he had uh, in the decisions he had to make during the course of the season in regards to his son and what, and what Olivia uh, did and how he helped her. I thought that was a really good thing for him. Yeah, it's funny. I had, at, at the time, I had mixed feelings about it only because I didn't want him to die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and the funny thing, too, was, uh, well, it wasn't funny, but a really nice scene where our Broyles is looking at him lying in the slab, and there was no words said, and he was just staring at him. I thought that was, I thought that scene without saying a word said so much about who Broyles was. Yeah. That was, um, intense. Yeah. It was intense to do. I mean, I remember the first time I saw it, I saw the body when we were shooting the, the scene outside the, right before we captured Olivia. Right. Right after we captured the alt Olivia. We right. think we recaptured her. And then there's the, the kind of implosion and then we run into the back of the, the van and there's the, that body. Mm-hmm. That was, that was a really freaky surreal experience. Yeah, I bet. That must have been wild to shoot that, but, uh, the effect of it on screen was, uh, was really cool. One other thing that I liked was the episode where uh, Royals unfortunately gets uh, some interesting uh, mushrooms or whatever, and he, he, oh, gets, yeah. <laughs> he, he gets a little high. So uh, that yeah. must have been a little fun to kind of do a much lighter side to Broyles. Yeah, well, a much lighter and a much heavier side, too. Yeah. There's, there's all this, this stuff with the Tweety Bird, but before that, when he's freaking out, because what he's remembering is, his, is his, the dead corpse of the altar itself. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a really cool scene, and it was uh, you know so we've actually had a little bit more glimpses into Broyles this year than probably any other season, and I thought that was uh, I think it only strengthened the character in my eyes. Yeah, I would agree. Was any of that discussed ahead of time with you, or you just got the script and you go, all right? Well, no, the only thing that was the only thing I was told, you know, before the season started was that all Broyles would have a really heroic journey that season, but I didn't know what it was going to be. Okay. Yeah, it was supposed to go a few episodes longer, mm-hmm. but um, I guess the network wanted to get out of the alternate universe sooner. Oh, okay. As a shame, I would have liked to have seen a little more. I, I think he had that one scene, the alternate one, with his wife. Uh, they kind of went to these gardens so they wouldn't be detected, and I thought uh, where he's kind of like wrestling with his decision, and yeah. uh, I thought that was a, a really great, great scene, and uh, that you know, it must have been fun to play. Obviously, he's married in the alternate universe, but divorced in our own. So I, I like the contrast of that, and 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 you know the different the differences between the universe, but in particular with him, I thought that was really neat. Yeah, and I I really love every time I get an opportunity to love, to work with the woman who played my wife. It's it's a real uh, it's a real pleasure because she's such a great actress. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't hurt that she's stunning too. Yes, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great season. I just. It was cool to see uh, in the in every episode in the alternate universe how the beginning was different and everything, and you just knew, oh, we're in the alternate universe this week, and that was a a cool way and a clever way to uh, you know to, to kind of get us into that mood, so we knew we were going in the alternate universe. Yeah, I mean the way they designed the designed everything from the clothing to mm-hmm. the technology has uh, has made the the, the clarity between the two universes very cool. And I know that at first you didn't uh, care for the uh, the T-shirt look for him. You know what it is? I guess I'm a little thinking of myself as a character actor. Yeah. And it, it didn't happen very often, but after kind of having my shirt off a few times in the wire, yeah, I'm a little I'm a little leery of ever falling into a kind of it's about the body thing. Right. 
you know, once I got used to the fact that everybody's in a t-shirt, it wasn't so bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. There you go. No, even the, the set, it was just so different. So more, you know, it was so more, more technical, but also, um, you know, kind of colder. And, uh, and Jessica's character was, you know, very, very different than we're used to. So I, I thought, uh, I like the alternate versions and characters that were dead in one universe or alive in this one. So I, I like that too. It was, uh, it was definitely Very not cool. the, yeah, uh, yeah. and the Statue of Liberty too. Since I, I live actually not far from it, it was uh, it's strange to see that copper hue that she had, and, and also being Walter Walternet's headquarters, uh, you know that kind of thing. For alternate broils, I know they came up with like Walternet. For did you have uh, a nickname for alternate broils at all? Uh, nope, just alt broils. <laughs> alt broils, that works. Yeah, I know. It was Walton in Bolivia, but yeah, it was just all broil. Yeah, my wife came up with Folivia for, uh, you know, for the alternate Olivia too. She used that a few times. And, and, and well, actually, we, they, we, it's funny you say that because we, it's, we started using Folivia, but then we just, in the script, but then it, then it was Bolivia. Oh, okay. That's, that's cool. Yeah. That's great. At the end of the season, uh, you know, pe- pretty much Peter was phased out of his existence. We know that Joshua is coming back. Uh, but yeah. we also know that he's going to be having a reduced role this year. Um, have you uh, heard anything more about that and how that's going to work out for the show? Well, hmm. to say he's having a reduced role, may, that may be a tricky thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because I think once he's back, he's back. Mm-hmm. And not only is he back, but figuring out, you know, given that in this, and now the timeline's been altered, and in this timeline, you know what I mean? He didn't exist. Right. So, but but for him, his re- his memories are are still of that reality. Well, I, I'm assuming maybe I'm wrong. Assuming that his memories of the reality is the reality that he left. Yeah. I think a lot of it will be about him. A lot of the story will be about him integrating, integrating back into the lives of the people, and and fi- and them figuring out what's, you know, what happened. Yeah, exactly. I honestly don't know. Sure. So I'm sure. not giving anything away. Mm-hmm. But I have a feeling that once he's back, he's really back. And it won't be that many episodes. Ten of that from the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. I think Josh was going to be doing some other work, that kind of thing. So he won't, um, you know, he won't be as available as he would for, I guess, uh, a full season. But when we, I, if you're, if you're right, and I, I have a feeling you, you are, I think when he does come back, we'll get him for, uh, you know, a good, Probably a good stretch of the season when we, well, I guess when we need to see him, right? is that kind of thing. Got it. Have you heard anything about Broyles? Were, uh, anything for him coming up? No, I really don't know, kind of, I really don't know as far as his storyline. I really don't know where they, what they're going to be doing with Broyles. Fringe, one of the things they do so well is they shoot some episodes the previous season to begin airing at the beginning of this one. Was that done also? Oh, you know what? Because I don't, uh, I don't watch, the truth is I don't know. Okay. I, I've heard from fans that they they were um that they they, they were watching um during the past couple of weeks. Uh, I've run into fans who said that they were airing uh, episodes from the last season. So, oh, okay, that's probably the case. Okay, yeah, you'll come back in September, and I think uh, so. We'll just we'll we'll start fresh off the bat. That sounds good. Have you uh went? Have you started shooting already? Yes, we have. Uh, we're uh at the end of season. We're at the end of episode three now. Oh, cool. So we start shooting episode four on Thursday. Oh, how is that going for you? Pretty good. I mean, it's, uh, you know, because of how technical the show is and how, you know, how much action and how much, um, how mm-hmm. much special effects there are, it's kind of, it can be a grueling pace. Yeah. Not so much for me because, I, you know, I don't have as much screen time as, uh, as, uh, as John and Anna. Uh, but still, you know, when, when you're working, you're really there. Oh, yeah, sure, 
Sure. In the very long hours. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. And I mean, the producers, I'm not giving anything away. The producers said that obviously the alternate universe timeline will still continue uh, into this season. Yes, very much so. Oh, cool. Cool. Very good. I like that. It's, uh, you know, I thought it was a, a very risky thing for the producers to go in this direction and really, and do what they did last season. But I think that's in the long run is going to make this fringe, very, you know, the series a very memorable one because they did something like that. I don't know, but I believe it. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's been the track record. I mean, have you all been concerned about the ratings? I know they're not exactly where everyone would like to uh, to see. Although, you know, myself and other members of the press have been, you know, behind you guys really for quite some time. Um, is there any concern about that on the set or with the producers at all in, you, in your contact with I them? I don't know. I mean, not certainly not on set. We just don't we don't talk about that much. Mm-hmm. For the most part, the only cast members that really kind of keep tabs on that stuff are Josh and John. Mm-hmm. Our show's tricky because we get, we're probably DVR more than any of the show on network television. I think so, yeah. So, and then, so then you, you'd stick, you know, you put us up, up in the, basically, before we moved, moved to Friday night, when we were on Thursday night, we were basically in the toughest slot for dramatic television. Oh, yeah. Network television. But then we were DVR'd more than, you know what I mean? Even if other people were watching other shows, mm. then we were DVR'd more than anyone else. Yep. And then when we, they moved us to Friday, uh, we basically took over that, that time slot. Yeah, yeah. So, um, the fans are kind of rabid. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. The fan base seems to be continually growing. Mm-hmm. So I think rate, because of the DVR, I think trying to track the ratings is, is tricky. Yeah. And also, uh, I just think that given how popular, more so with, more so I think with, um, with cable than with network, mm-hmm. but still, given how popular kind of long form storytelling has become in the, in the past decade uh, for television series, I think uh, it would behoove uh, Warner Brothers and Fox to keep us around as long as as long as there's a story to tell. Absolutely, because it will have quite a quite a life afterwards. More with Lance Reddick from 2011 in a moment. This is something that will last and. I've always been at the feeling that as far as uh, the DVR numbers, the networks really uh, should pay a lot more attention to them. I think it tells them something, and I know that yeah. they're aware of the online viewing and all because they are, um, you know, they're putting commercials in those uh, online episodes, so they know they're yeah. being done as well. So, and even the DVR yeah. episodes, I've noticed that for another network uh, or the on-demand episodes. Uh, uh, they are putting commercials in it, so they know they're there, uh, and they have to. Uh, I mean, I really think they need to pay attention to that a lot more. It's just not the way it used to be. When I was a kid, if something aired, it was gone. You missed it. You had to wait for reruns yeah. to get it back, and now it's a whole other world. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the viewer has a lot more power, and uh, you know, it's like uh, I know. I'll be very honest with you. I what we did, what my wife and I did was. We would tape a lot of the fringe episodes and then we would watch them like back to back. And it really helped seeing them that way without a, uh, instead of watching them live because it was a great way to follow what was going on without missing a week. And plus it would drive you crazy to, you know, to have a yeah. to wait a week too. And so often with, with this form of storytelling, that's, mm-hmm. the, you know, that's the best, that's the ideal way to watch the show. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's the same with, with The Wire. Everybody watches that show now. So much more popular now than it ever was when it was on television. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, you know what I mean? People um, watch for, it on for DVD. The sure struggle to, to get a, a mainstream audience now has become this worldwide phenomenon. I think a lot of it's to do with the way that, you know what I mean? That, that whole DVD 
download thing works. Absolutely. And being able to watch multiple episodes back to back. Yep, that is, it, it's just, it's a whole other world, and I think uh, in some ways television has kind of been lost, and they're still thinking along the ways, in some ways that they used to monitor tell you know the tv and ratings in the 70s and now they haven't caught up yet it's it's amazing yeah i agree at least mainstream network television yeah absolutely absolutely i think cable they're kind of learning a little bit and using the internet a little more uh which is cool uh so uh but yeah and it was interesting because there was uh, at one of the round tables uh i was at an uh, actor was talking about um, Saul Rubinak from Warehouse 13 was talking about that his daughter's in college and everybody watches their tel- – they don't have TVs. I watch everything on their computers because they don't have to get cable and all that stuff. They just need an Internet connection and high speed, and they can watch everything that way, and that's what they do. Uh, and plus they, wow. use, they use computers also for you know their schoolwork, and then they'll watch like Fringe or Warehouse 13 or some of the genre shows that are on – you know, as, as rather than to buy a television. And these people are going to graduate and move on, and those habits are going to stay with them. It's something interesting. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Any guest stars so far in the episodes that you've shot that are interesting that you can talk about? Uh, the other, which I, once again, I, I only, I never got a chance to meet him, mm-hmm. was, um, oh my God, I can't think of his name. He was the lead. He played the, the captain in, um, Star Trek Atlanta, uh, Star, uh, Stargate Atlanta. Mr. Joe Flanagan. Yes, yes. So you had Joe Flanagan on. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. It'll be interesting to see what uh, which side of uh, of the of the universe he lands in. That'll be interesting. <laughs> Looks like you might uh, be getting some interesting people to uh, to come on the show this year. Oh, yeah, we've got some really cool guest stars on the show. Oh yeah. I mean, first season was phenomenal because we were in, in New York. Yeah. Uh, but the second and third season, we just got some really great, great kind of iconic actors, both in television and and uh, I mean, I think the the, the guest star that uh, last season that just kind of hum- humbled me because I, I actually got to work with him, Christopher Lloyd. Oh, Christopher Lloyd. That's right. Yes, of yeah. course. Of course. Yeah. yeah, he was great. That was a great part for him. Yeah. Very much fringe. You know, it really was. It was just nothing else yeah. but fringe. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, you know, when you, when you have a knee-jerk response to call someone mister. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, because you know, usually you meet a guest star and it's, I'm Lance, I'm, you know, Joe, Schmo, whatever. You know, it's a first name thing. But it was for me. It was always Mr. Lloyd. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's a tremendous yeah. actor. He really, Probably. really is. Yeah. Now you mentioned movies. Uh, have you had a chance to do any films? I know you, we talked last time. You had been in, uh, you know, uh, the, the film with Josh Brolin. Uh, you know, Jonah Hex. Uh, is there anything else you, you said? You mentioned you were doing some shooting. So uh, what, yeah, I actually I did uh, I did two films this summer, and I did an episode of um, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. So that's a, that's kind of like a, a sitcom dramedy. So uh, who do you play in that? I'm curious. Well, I can't really say. <laughs> um, but but basically, it's a story of uh, uh, Danny DeVito's characters telling a story. Oh, okay. And I'm I'm one of the characters in a story. Oh, cool. What was it like to uh, to be a guest star on that show? I know you've done it before, but uh, what's the dynamic like over there for their show? Wow, it's just it's a lot of fun. <laughs> um, and I also got to work with John Polito. Oh, Dr. John Polito, yes, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a blast. It was a blast. Yeah. You know, between being able to work on such a great, great, brilliantly funny show and to be able to work with those guys mm-hmm. uh, and to do something that was so wildly different from anything I've done on screen before. I mean, I've done, you know, I've done crazy comedic stuff on stage, but not I haven't had a chance to really do that on screen. Yeah. So it was, it was a blast. And And the movies, can you talk about anything about them? 
Yeah, one is, um, even though it's getting a limited theatrical release, it's, it's premiere is really going to be on, um, the chiller network. It's called Remains. Oh, cool. It's a, it's a, it's a zombie film. Oh, yes, um, yes, yeah. Yeah, based on, based on a graphic novel by, um, uh, Steve Niles, who wrote 30 Days of Night. I met Steve at Comic-Con this year, yes, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And as a matter of fact, I couldn't, I couldn't make it because the panel for Remains at Comic-Con was the day before. Uh, the panel for, um, for Fringe, yeah. But I was still working on this other movie. Oh, okay. Which is, which is a drama. Mm. The other movie is called Steel Town, starring Violet Davis and Maggie Gyllenhaal. Oh, nice. Play, uh, Violet's husband. Oh, cool. And it's about this, this teacher and this parent. Well, they're both parents. Mm-hmm. With, with kids the same age. And, and they struggle to start a charter school. The, the trials and tribulations they, they go through, um, mm-hmm. dealing with the politics of City Hall and, cool. um, the teachers union. Wow, very cool. Very interesting. And it's set, it's set, it was shot, in, it was set and shot in, in Pittsburgh. Oh, wow. The name still wow, great. Yep. Wow. It's a great script. Oh, cool, cool. I mean, I, I know that you, you, you know, from our conversations in the past, you've done your, You've done some really good indie work, and and the main reason is because of the stories like Tennessee and things like that. Because you just like the, you're you're attracted to the good story, no matter you know whatever outlet is in. And also, I really wanted to work with uh, with Tennessee. I mean, I really wanted to work with Lee Daniels. Yeah, yeah. That remains that uh, that should be really cool. Looking forward to it, seeing. It was that. a lot of fun. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, running around um, fighting and, and shooting zombies, and you know, it, it was great. Yeah, that's exactly. true. And that's also something that Fringe hasn't really covered yet, you know, so it's, uh, yeah. yeah. I guess, I guess the closest thing are the shapeshifters, but they're not really mindless, so it's not the same. Yeah. It's not the same. That's great. That's great. Well, it sounds like, uh, you're, you're managing to integrate your schedule, uh, your Fringe schedule and be able to do some films as well. So that's, uh, that's Yeah, cool. and it looks like it may be producing another film, but I can't really. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got the paperwork, but until it's signed, I can't really talk about it. Sure. And, and musically, have you had a chance to do anything at all? No, I haven't. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, I got a, um, got a, uh, a conference call with my music manager. Oh, wow. Um, and, and marketing people, um, later this afternoon. Oh, wow. Yeah, cool. I mean, we mentioned it before, but on your website, com, there's some, you know, you can hear some of the tracks and, uh, you know, there's some really good stuff. It's really good, you know, jazzy, uh, really has a nice style to it. And uh, that's, it's, it's, it's cool stuff. So I highly recommend people listen to that. Oh, great. Thanks. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm definitely going to be getting back into it. It's between kind of doing the films and the show and then this other, other film that I'm in the middle of producing. Yeah. Uh, which hopefully I'll be able to talk about. Yeah, that sounds good. In the next couple of weeks. That sounds great. That sounds really good. Well, we're looking forward to the next season of Fringe. Uh, I think I, I will say this, and I've said it many times, it's one of the best shows on television. Um, and, and also, from the press standpoint, is very popular. The, uh, the, the press room for you guys uh, was, I mean, I couldn't get in. It was that popular. It was really hard to get in there. So... Wow. Uh, yeah. Are you talking about at Comic-Con? Yeah, at Comic-Con. I couldn't get in, so. I oh, got it. Will, will you, uh, will you folks be coming to New York at all? Like, I know you did that a few years ago, but I don't know if you'll be doing it. We did it first season, um, mm-hmm. but mainly because we were shooting in New York, so it was just easy for the Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's true. Go down there. I don't know what the schedule and budget is. I mean, the, you know, Anna, John, and, or Josh, you know, those guys, they may take them, I'm not sure. Okay. But right now, they're, they're, no plans, at least for myself, to be going to New York. Oh, okay. When do when do you finish shooting uh, this, these bunch of episodes? Wow. Well, we just got started um, mm-hmm. in the middle of July, so we won't be done until the middle of April. 
Oh, okay. So will you get a break, I guess, near the holidays, that kind of thing? Yeah, you know, we get the Thanksgiving uh, weekend off, and we get a couple weeks of Christmas time. Yeah, right. And um, then and yeah. then right back. I really want to thank you again. Uh, it's been a pleasure. We've been talking since season one, and here we are, season four. So uh, it's uh, it's great to talk to you and, and relive. Uh, you know, again, I think it was a great season for broils, and I just thought, uh, it was, I, I agree with you. I think this season was one of the best seasons of Fringe and it was like one of the very few shows where I literally look forward to watching it every week and seeing what you guys were going to do next. It was, uh, there was nothing that was usual or commonplace about it. Oh, well, thank you. And I look forward to seeing what you guys have in store for four. It sounds like, uh, some, some more good stuff. Oh, it'll be, it'll be always interesting. Uh, that's Fringe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks again, Mr. Reddick, and we hope to talk again sometime. Thank you. All right, you take care now. You can get Fringe on Apple TV, Prime Video, and also HBO Max. This is Tony Tolado. Hi, I'm Lance Reddick. I'm one of the stars of Fringe, and you're listening to Sci-Fi Talk. <laughs>